This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, the LSE, public markets, private delusions. There's an EU prop crisis looming. Nasdaq secures the arm listing. Colombia soars and Greece gains. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 196. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, The Unique Guide to the Bourse Business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. This week, the LSE claims a world first for something that has already been happening in, for example, Nasdaq private markets for many years. While the scandal remains that LSE appears to have no coherent plan to grow its public markets. Meanwhile, where the last Acuity survey showed a mere 8% of market professionals supported the EU's simply deranged euro-clearing protectionism, that was the good old days of last week for Brussels. This week, an Acuity report released a damning indictment pertaining to regulatory afterbirth from the MIFID II great waste of time, the most pointless regulatory process ever witnessed this side of pure play totalitarianism. In essence, a great void of liquidity could soon be upon the EU and its hapless cronies in the UK where they don't understand their own Brexit process. The battle for arm is recounted with aplomb by Bloomberg, an epic triumph for Adina Friedman's Nasdaq, while GPW, the Warsaw Stock Exchange, launches an interesting new strategic plan for the years ahead. There are good numbers for Hellenic exchanges and Colombia, as the Dream Exchange in the USA launched their theme song in advance of their market launch. Over in BitCarnage, the international regulatory body IOSCO have set the standard for global regulation according to their own hype, The problem is, it almost certainly won't be the sort of de minimis, actually, you know what you do, whatever you fancy, oh, fresh-blooded youth of today, kind of announcement, which is what the crypto kiddies really hope to receive in terms of quasi-perma global exemption exceptionalism, with added DeFi on top. I suppose my concern remains, just how much new stuff do we actually need and what can we do with just clarifying the existing stuff? In that sense, the kiddies have won some form of at least Pyrrhic victory, as the VC-powered ones will probably run out of money before IOSCO can create rules their satellite members will ultimately enact. Barring the ambitious few with initiative, of course, who are ahead of the IOSCO movements. If you enjoyed this expert, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day and Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage, the daily update and happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets, then you can find BitCarnage as a standalone on Substack. So the London Stock Exchange is eyeing what they call the world's first private stock exchange. Ignoring the fact that Nasdaq private markets, for example, had a private stock exchange for many years already. There are key worries, of course, in the UK. The proportion of shares in publicly traded UK firms held by domestically based pension funds and insurance companies fell precipitously from 52% in 1993 to under 5% by 2020. That's in a fascinating report, Murder on the City Express, who is killing the London Stock Exchange's equity market from the Harvard Law School Forum on Corporate Governance. 
It seems odd that the LSEG is so keen to run private markets when they've lost the plot on public ones. That's the sort of millennial delusion we'd expect to be reporting in BitCarnage, not mature legacy markets. Meanwhile, over at Acuity's report centre, a quarter of proprietary trading firms are considering giving up MIFID II licences to avoid the regulatory burden. For those who love their standard deviations, well, Will Mitting's Acuity Research is currently displaying some remarkably long tails away from the lived experience of EU regulators and bringing a harsh dose of reality. Oh, sorry, that's a silly term. Of course, reality in Brussels is what Brussels says it is. However, realpolitik, thanks to not being an English word, ought to hit harder in the heart of the sadly adrift Euro empire. Looking at the numbers here, last week the Acuity Research could only muster 8% of market pros believing in the Euro-clearing protectionism delusion. Now the prop firms are quite rightly feeling abused. The trouble with allowing a shambles like MIFID II to be passed has led us to the simply insane IFRD element which is based on the demented politics of regression and backwardation, which is what the precautionary principle leads to. I mentioned earlier there was a great Bloomberg article this week, Nasdaq's fight with LSC and NICE for the ARM IPO. Huge plaudits to Dina Friedman and her team for scooping this marvellous listing. Exchange Invest, which you two can read, go over to exchangeinvest.com. You can pick up subscriptions only $349 per user year. Has often commented in the past on the wonders of the current age, which has seen unprecedented competition between the New York Giants, to such an extent that the likes of SIBO simply could not compete with the country club duo for listings in single-name stocks. It's an interesting discussion of what happened this article, although I am minded to wonder, was there more magic in addition to the fabulous incentive of $50 million in marketing for the IPO being paid by Nasdaq? Which, by the way, gives Nasdaq a lovely basque of glory too, so is a win-win for the listing venue and the IPO. Warsaw Stock Exchange, they've announced a fascinating new strategy for the next four years. Some of the ideas have been rattling around Warsaw for some years. The rich irony is that perhaps Warsaw could do with internal competition, but the government regulatory complex, yes, 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 of course there are EU rules to allow that, whatever, would view such an incursion with cold sick equivalents. Anyway, it's a sound plan with several angles for development, which at least shows GPW attempting to get over its past middle-income nation phobia that it had reached the limits of growth. In Canada, TMX Group and Clearstream have announced plans to launch Canadian collateral management, clearly in process for some time, but a first great piece of news under the new chairman, Luc Bertrand, who I'm sure will do much more to unleash the TMX in coming years. SIBO, they're preparing for a European stock market's listings grab. Two words make me optimistic in this one. Joss Schmidt, the neo-Aquitas entrepreneur, is now global head of listings for SIBO. And if anybody can help give SIBO the listings power it has did to date, always failed to achieve beyond ETFs, where it is, of course, remarkably successful. I believe it is Yoss. Yoss was, of course, a guest on IPO Vid previously. You can check that out on YouTube. Look for IPO-Vid049, Joss Schmidt, serial exchange entrepreneur. Incumbent listing venues will be a loser here, as, for example, Euronext might not lose a listing, but will see their capacity to lose listing fees somewhat constrained from SIBO's Amsterdam HQEU venture. In the ongoing co-locations case in India, the National Stock Exchange, they've received 
a refund of 300 crore from SEBI. NSE getting back 36.25 million from SEBI, but they still have a sequestration down payment of 97.6 million held by the regulator. Over in China, CSRC, that's the National Regulator Vice Chairman Fang Xinghai, during a keynote speech at the 20th Shanghai Derivatives Market Forum, has been talking about opening international access to more Chinese ETD markets. Results this week, well, Athens, IEX of India and Colombia, as well as Tel Aviv, all reported Best numbers probably came from Athens, showing remarkable growth there. Everybody else was either flat to a little bit under the weather, apart from Colombia, which saw a hefty profit leap as it sits on the cusp of its tripartite merger with the exchanges in Peru and Chile, which we're expecting to see taking place during the course of this year. New markets this week. The Nigerian Bourse is planning a commodities growth in seven African nations. That's AFEX, the commodity exchange, rather than the Nigerian exchange per se. They're looking to expand to Ivory Coast this year and Ghana in 2024 before setting up in Benin, Togo, Tanzania, Ethiopia and Zambia. There's also going to be a new agribusiness commodity exchange coming from SOAD. That's a multinational organisation across the state of the African diaspora. They're looking to create their commodity exchange as well. And then finally, Extra news from Africa, the Zanzibar Stock Exchange is in the offing. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Deal news this week, ASX, Australian Stock Exchange Group. They own approximately 43% of Yield Broker, which they will be selling in its entirety, given that TradeWeb are now taking over the business. ASX had there a 65 million Australian dollar position, and they're ultimately going to receive 55 million Australian dollars for their position today, even though they originally bought 49% and are now selling 43%. Not the greatest of returns on the capital account, but it somehow looks good compared to the whole chess debacle. If you're trying to understand the business of bourses going forward, the world of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and how that impacts the fintech world, then check out my most recent book, Victory or Death. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Meanwhile, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive in the post, don't forget to check out the IPO video live stream. It's all available, the back issues, via LinkedIn and YouTube if you search for IPO-vid. And the live shows are going to be up on Tuesdays, 6pm London time, 1 o'clock New York time. This week we had an epic show, 108, with Guidon Hurchton talking about markets for the next generation. And our next show is going to be 109 with Christopher Sturgis discussing AFM, Africa and commodities. Meanwhile, that gives me an opportunity to introduce our finance book of the week. This week's book was written by, start again, this week's book was written by our IPO vid guest of number 73 was the episode in which he was our guest, James A. Falk. Financial Cold War, a view of Sino-US relations from the financial markets, is a fascinating read discussing many issues, including the inherent plausibility of a long-standing linkage to benefit both contemporary superpowers, China and the USA. You can catch that in all good bookstores and, of course, via Amazon and other online retailers. 
Product news this week, uh, SGX Group in Singapore, they're launching depository receipts under a direct linkage with the Stock Exchange of Thailand. The Iran Energy Exchange, Arainex, they have launched their green power board with renewable power plants available to sell their output. And GFMA has concerns about T plus one risk in the world of stock trading, where, of course, Forex is settled T plus two. Technology news this week. It seems there's a consolidated tape for the bond market coming to Europe, at least. Bloomberg Market Access and TradeWeb signed joint venture agreement to provide a fixed income consolidated tape in the EU by adding LSE-backed Finborn as their technology partner. Elsewhere, BMLL, they've expanded their data coverage to include the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Career news this week, the LSEG Chief Financial Officer, Anna Mance, she is stepping down. She's going to become the Chief Financial Officer of Nestle, which is yet another senior executive biting the dust at the LSEG. Seems quite shocking to me, losing CFOs within three years of appointment, which would suggest that all is not well at Paternoster Square. But then again, what do I know? After all, I would have thought the largest stock exchange in Europe pulling out of selling its technology to other bourses was material information. But it seems the LSEGs just sails on with, in my humble opinion, somewhat dubious IR policies. Anamance will depart next May, meaning she serves 3.5 years in situ, having started in November 2020. In my humble opinion, LSEG is brewing an ugly situation but you probably gathered that already. Euronext have appointed Roberto Pecora as CEO of Euronext Clearing. He joins from SockGen's Italian Specialist Securities Clearing Settlement Arm, where he was CEO. Pecora will drive forward the Borsa Italiana CCP, which was quasi-gifted to Euronext via LSEG's sale after the Refinitive Nightmare began. And ASX, they've appointed a Chief Information Officer this week. That's a C-suite arrival to mask the many C-suite departures they've had in recent weeks. The trouble is ASX has C-suite reg- resignations aplenty, then onboards replacements without changing their underlying modus operandi. This is surely the recruitment equivalent of Einstein's definition of uncertainty. And that brings us to Big World. More stats that seem to have received very little publicity amidst the UK's Brexit-loathing media. It has long been recognised the service economy outplaces the UK manufacturing industries. And this was always an issue as Brussels did essentially nothing to rationalise services for decades within the EU. The non-implosion of the UK, as was widely anticipated by the blob and indeed the government of the UK and the civil servants of the UK, That non-implosion is usually cherry-picked to suit arguments by those determined to see both post-Brexit Britain as a nation in mud huts. QV the New York Lies articles pass him. But when it comes to service exports, the UK has enjoyed from 2016 to 2022 a remarkable real-time 17.7% growth, making it the G7's leader in services growth since Brexit and hashtag despite Brexit. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, publisher of Exchange Invest. Come and subscribe via exchangeinvest.com if you want to be part of the exchange of information. And I wish you all a great week in blockchain, life and markets. If you've got a market to build, send us a message. We're happy to advise. Thank you.
This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.